Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. It's a game day edition. Hornets taking on the Toronto Raptors a little earlier in the day, 1 p.m. tip time, so hopefully you caught this podcast in time, maybe on your way to the Hive. If you're within shouting distance, come on out and join us at Spectrum Center. Tickets are available at Hornets.com. We're going to preview this one for you. We're also going to talk about our predicted starting lineups to this stage. A lot of injuries piling up for Buzz City, so we'll take our best stab at what the starting lineup will be for this one tonight. And also, in case you missed it, Major League Baseball opened up play uh, over the last couple of days. It's opening weekend still here for Major League Baseball. And they've got a few new rules this season, so we're going to propose a new rule for next season of the NBA. Helping me on all these topics there's one in particular he's very excited about he's my producer on the hornets radio network as well as the producer of this fine podcast rob longo here with us once again on the hhc rob which one are you so excited about I'm excited about all of them. I can't just pick one, Sam. Come on, man. See, you're still in April Fool's Day mode from yesterday. All right. <laughs> you just don't love you, my appreciation, you, I guess. You I were know. pretty gung-ho about the uh, let's do some new rules here with baseball. So we'll, I think it'll get the people talking. All right. We're going to save that one for next segment. Right now, though, we want to talk about the state of the Hornets when it comes to injuries. In case you missed it, last game against the Chicago Bulls, P.J. Washington had to leave in the second quarter with a right foot sprain. He did not return. If he follows the pattern, of the other players on the roster who have recently befallen injuries. Think Gordon Hayward, think Dennis Smith Jr., Kelly Oubre, Terry Rozier. Let's just say for the sake of argument right now, it hasn't been a pattern of returning. So again, for the sake of argument, nothing official at the time of this recording of this podcast. Let's assume P.J. Washington is out. It is the latest in a slew of injuries that the Hornets have had to face. It's presented opportunities for younger players, and maybe that's the right thing to do at this stage of the season anyways uh, with the Hornets fate not in doubt they're not going to make the playoffs this year so a good chance to get some younger guys out there still though that veteran presence is important just helping to organize the team uh, we saw that be a little bit of an issue last game Charlotte turned it over 22 times with uh, a lot of young guys playing together for the Hornets against the Chicago Bulls. After that game, James Booknight had this to say about the recent bad luck run uh, that's basically been the entire season for Charlotte Hornets injury-wise. Um, that's tough, but it's part of the game. You know, we've had bad luck all year. But that's just what come with this, you know. Uh, it's tough. I know everybody's going to bounce back. and I don't worry that anyone is just going to hurt anyone, you know, long term. It definitely sucks to see everybody just be out injured. And, but like I said, I, I don't doubt that anyone's going to come back fully healthy and better than they were before the, the injury. Blunt and accurate. I think the Hornets have high hopes for seasons to come, and that's why there's every reason to play it safe. If there's any doubt at all right now, you do have the bodies, particularly with the recent additions of Xavier Sneed and Kobe Simmons to the roster. You have options to get you through these final few games and give opportunities to those young guys who've been waiting in the wings and... 
they're going to have more chances now to show what they can do, James Booknight included. So the, the question for this segment, Rob Longo, is if we're making an assumption, and again, it's just an assumption right now, we don't know anything definitively as of the recording of this podcast, that P.J. Washington joins the list of players who were unavailable last game, and no one who was unavailable last game suddenly becomes available for this game today against Toronto. Either what do you think your starting lineup is today, or what is a starting five you think we'll see or would like to see between now and the end of the season? I don't know what's worse at this point. My projected start at five for tomorrow's game, if everybody continues to be hurt, or my men's tournament bracket that is just in shambles, all things considered. Well, but hopefully you're more accurate on this one. There's less, so. less variations. Is there, though? <laughs> I mean, at this rate, I mean, I don't know what's going on with the Hornets injury front, but I mean, I think the one that makes the most sense if you're pulling out PJ and you're plugging in somebody else, Steve Clifford's very high on JT Thor. I think that one's probably the most likely. If it's not JT, then it's probably Kai Jones, but I know he wants to see Kai play more of the five, so if I had to have final answer, lock it in, all that fun stuff, it's probably JT T. Thor in there with the likes of Bryce McGowan, Svee Mikhailu, Teo Maladon, and, well, I think it would be a Nick Richards day. Maybe Mark Williams would be coming off the bench or Mark Williams would be out of the rotation. It would be Kai Jones in there, even though everybody played on Friday just because that's the way the game shook out and there was some foul trouble and those sort of things. But it was an interesting lineup, I thought, on Friday. I thought playing Bryce at in the front court was interesting i'm not saying he can't do it because he has the size he has the length he has the ability to be a stretch three with gordon hayward out of the lineup so i would be interested to see a little bit more of bryce at the three just to see what he's capable of i think i like him at the two a little bit better just based on my personal preference but again I mean, if ultimately I, knew, I think that becomes it's a wing so sure yeah it's, it's out wing. there it's not like he's bringing the ball up every possession sure. and he's also capable of doing that of course but you know i always preface these kind of things by saying if i knew anything definitive or if i had a sixth sense about this i would be in a different wing of the arena <laughs> here at spectrum center but well you know, I mean, that's just kind of my hunch that no, no that's fair i i think the 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 least difference in terms of what their actual job is probably between the two and the three because, again, it's a wing is a wing is a wing. These are guys who are supposed to spread the floor, knock down jump shots, and even though traditionally one small forward is taller and, and a little bigger than the two, the shooting guard. Uh, We're in this age is. of positionless basketball exactly. as it is anyways, according to Cliff. So. I, I'm with you. I think JT Thor is likely to slide in at the four. I think one thing that probably changes here, uh, we are probably going to see less and less, uh, if any at all at this stage, of the center rotation because if P.J. Washington is unable to come back or unable to come back quickly, you need a backup four. And so saying, well, we're going to sit one of Mark Williams, Nick Richards, Kai Jones, just doesn't become feasible. The two guys they added to the roster, Kobe Simmons and Xavier Sneed, neither of them is really a power forward or center option. Certainly not center. Maybe Xavier Sneed is in a, you know, could be a small ball four, but realistically, you're talking about Kai Jones no longer experimenting as much at the five, but getting more playing time inevitably by playing the four. The lineup, I think. I'd like to see at some point just to try it out here. I'm liking what we're seeing from James Booknight as of late. Book had 22 points, a season high, six rebounds, a career high. Uh, The game previous to the other nights against Chicago, the one before against Oklahoma City, he had a career high five assists. So he's been spreading the ball around and performing very well, I'd say, for Charlotte. And I I wouldn't mind seeing him get a run in the starting lineup. Uh, Teo Maladon would still obviously play heavy, heavy minutes for the team as either the backup 
one or maybe at the two. I mean, there, there's a lot of options here for the Hornets for him because he is a pretty versatile guard. But just seeing what that looks like, having James Booknight slide into the starting group with maybe Sfema Kylik, Bryce McGowans, JT Thor, and Mark Williams. I think that's a grouping I'd like to see paired up. But uh, regardless, the Hornets are so shorthanded. Uh, the remaining players, they are going to play an awful lot. And it's all about what they show on a game-to-game basis that's going to determine uh, how they fair in terms of the pecking order heading into the summer uh, and then hopefully uh, for many of these guys a chance to show what they can do on an improved basis in summer league uh, after having a long summer worth of work one other person we want to let you hear from on um, that's Hornets head coach Steve Clifford he talked after the loss the other day on Friday against Chicago about what he would like to see in these final few games what I want us to do I just want us to you know in Oklahoma City watching it and I told them this yesterday we were really good on offense and we were really bad on defense. You know, we won that game by outscoring them. You know, and that's not going to happen night in and night out in this league, you know. And what I was hoping for was a better defensive response tonight, which we didn't give at all, not at all. And I think at a certain extent there is some understanding that this group hasn't practiced a lot together. This group has certainly not played a lot together. And some of that chemistry that existed with Mark Williams at the center with a lot of other regulars and even just having more veterans out there to even things out, sort things out, organize things for the Hornets, made things transition a little more seamlessly even without a lot of the primary players. Um, But still, the coach is not going to allow for any excuses. This is your opportunity. Go out and show what you can do so I like that he's demanding excellence here from this group on the defensive side of the floor and hopefully uh, we see that the remaining game starting later today against Toronto to play devil's advocate real quickly obviously the turnovers on Friday a big reason to that was because of the lack of chemistry I think because of those guys out there on the floor so that's why I would like to see James Booknight come off the bench play him in rotation with guys like Kai Jones Kobe Simmons Xavier Sneed they've all played together in Greensboro why not do it again here if you're trying to win games, if you're trying to compete? Now, if you're out there trying to get these guys minutes and see who fits with whom and have this kind of like a glorified preseason training camp situation with some live ball action, that's one thing. But if you want to go out there and win the game, put the Greensboro guys together. Not a terrible argument either. They definitely have more chemistry as former options playing together on that level uh, than most of these guys have here on the NBA level uh, with all the injuries certainly taking their toll here on the Hornets. All right, we'll get into our game preview shortly here for Hornets versus Raptors, but coming up next it is baseball's opening weekend. New rules are in place. We're going to make up some new rules for the NBA for next season. How about it, Rob Longo? We'll do that next here on the Hornets Ivecast. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. The Hornets Hivecast brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Major League Baseball had its opening week weekend uh, over the last few days. It continues today. One of the, the great passages of spring before I had this job here with the Hornets, I had made it a family tradition that I would take my kids to opening day in the majors every year where it was closer to us. We lived in Southern California, so we had the, the Dodgers and Angels nearby, so we could go to somebody even the Padres, for opening day. Now, 
Obviously, I'm busy and grateful for it. And by the way, Hornets did not break the streak. The pandemic did, so it's not like that that whole streak got scuttled for that reason. But neither here nor there. Baseball, for the first time in ages, opened up a new era with new rules. They took away the shift. You have to have two infielders on either side of second base with their feet on the dirt. There's a pitch clock in there now. There's a clock on the batter to be ready to play. They're ironing all these things out. The bags are bigger. They're trying to create more speed in the game, more opportunities for action plays, and also just get the time of game rolling a little bit. So far, two pretty good reviews, pretty seamlessly. There are some hiccups every now and again, but overall, people like the new rules. And so we're going to give some of our new rules. What would we theoretically like to see the NBA attempt next season. You were very excited about this segment when we came up with the idea. I'm a little nervous about what you've come up with, but Rob Longo, you go first. Well, to preface this and not to go off on a tangent because this is a Hornets podcast after all, but if you do live in Charlotte, if you are a resident of the Queen City and you've checked out the Charlotte Knights in the past, these rules aren't so foreign to you because they were used at the AAA level last year, including the automatic ball strike system, which is not quite there at the major league level yet. But I did like that. That if you if you've seen it, if you if it's like, awesome. If you like majors tennis, where they I'm assuming you, that's where you would watch it more often than some of the lower end tournaments, although it exists there too. But basically, where they have the challenge system and then everyone claps like. And then they see the ball land on the line or not on the line. And everyone goes, oh, man, it's great. Same thing for baseball. They're able to uh, And it's all challenge. done within 30 seconds. Yeah. It's quick. It's not like sometimes where we have reviews and challenges here at the NBA level where they can kind of drag on and on and True. then it's inconclusive and that sort of thing. But at any rate, if I wanted one rule change in the NBA, and this one's garnering a lot of steam and it's very possible we might see it sooner rather than much later, give me the Elam ending in overtime. Don't have a five-minute clock in overtime. Don't go two, three, four overtimes. Give me the Elam ending. Give me a target score. I don't know how you calculate it. I'm not a math miner like you are or anything related to math in that sense, but something along the lines of what you see at the All-Star game with the Elam ending. You know, do the math. Say this is the target score going into the fourth quarter. Give me that for overtime. I think that would eliminate a lot of time. Obviously, it would. I think it would cut down on some of the action more or less in a sense because you're not playing two or three overtimes, but you're also resting some guys a little bit and they know what they're playing for. You know, it's not like I got to come down here and hit a bucket and now I got to come here and try to play for a two for one to finish the last minute and a half of the clock or anything like that. I want the Elam ending in overtime. I don't despise it, and and I'm a big fan of the Elam ending in general for a lot of things. I, I used to work uh, TBT, the basketball tournament, and saw the Elam ending put in place, and, and I think it's very entertaining. I do really love it in the All-Star game. Uh, it, it's waning a little bit on its effect, but not much, and it's, it's been a lot of fun there. I do kind of hesitate on seeing well, it take over Well, if one team here. does kind of fall behind, then it kind of loses its luster, but if it's a team going shot for shot and they're going back and forth it's exciting stuff also in overtime you're basically saying now we're playing to eight or ten or whatever it is rather than saying we're going to play you know the time on the clock which changes things a little bit but i I don't despise it but i I think we need to flush it out a little bit more i had two one is there's been this talk about having uh, a new in-season tournament and i'm less interested in it from the incentive for players say to win some new trophy new crown new something uh, that we're inventing here 
here and more looking at it as a way to discourage tanking. I think the best thing that happened with the play-in tournament is it has given teams more incentive to play deeper into the season, which is the point. You want more competitive games longer. You want more teams alive for the postseason longer. But yet there are still some teams that either go into seasons with no intent really on winning or end up there uh, based off circumstance. To the Hornets' credit, they never succumb to that. They have always been pushing hard, trying to pick up wins wherever they can. Uh, The injuries just keep on piling up, and and there's just no getting around them. But uh, it's not as if Charlotte organized this roster with the intent of picking in the top two or three. But that's my reason to come up with the possible penalty for the in-season tournament. So they're talking about taking a section of games for the regular season, saying these are part of the tournament. My potential rule here, number one, is if you go over in that set of games, if you go zero in whatever it is, five, six, I don't know how many games they're proposing for it or will, you can't win the lottery. You can't be top three. So it's saying this this set of games is the middle of the season, okay? And if you go 0-6, and, and it's a substantial set. It's like a couple of weeks' worth of games. If you go over you are not going to be in the top three. You have to make a legitimate effort. And so just like the playing tournament encourages you to play later in the season, this will encourage you to hopefully play earlier in the season as well. What do no, you think? No, no, no. Because, I mean, let's use the Hornets for an example. You said that the Hornets haven't tried to tank, and they haven't. They've been trying to play hard, but they've had multiple five-game losing streaks in there. What if somebody is just playing bad basketball at the wrong time, and then they all of a sudden can't be in a lottery? Now, if it's one thing where No, no, not is, in the lottery, not in the top three. You can't win the lottery. Yeah, I just, I still don't like that. Because, I okay. mean, if it's, you know, a team is, if they have a bad five-game stretch like the Hornets have had a couple times this year, I mean, they've had an eight-game losing streak a couple times i mean what if they just get right. caught at a bad time i'm just playing devil's okay. advocate we, we both poo-pooed each other's we can, uh, we can agree to disagree i've got just, one more and i think you're gonna it. like this one okay. okay so there's the challenge system in the nba there's one challenge per game you only get one my second idea is in the fourth quarter at any timeout that comes directly after an out-of-bounds call, just like they can review with the blue light to see whether something was a two or a three or a shot was taken within the confines of uh, the shot clock or whether there was a violation or not, basically. They're supposed to, at least. They're We're supposed not going to talk about the Miami game from last year. Fair enough. That one it was before the rules, I guess, whatever. But for this one, in the first 30 seconds of those timeouts, because they last over a minute, if there is clear and definitive evidence from headquarters that the call was made wrong on the floor, they can turn on the blue light and flip the call so say charlotte you know has the ball go out of bounds playing miami and they have used their challenge already but they are positive that ball that call was wrong they called it off the hornets it was actually off miami they can call a timeout there they still have to use the timeout but headquarters can look at the play ring back to charlotte and say hey they blew the call they got it wrong Give the ball back to Charlotte. doesn't count for anything else. It's only possession, and this is the only thing that can be flipped there. What do you think of so that one? So you're basically saying it's almost like the accelerated replay that we saw in the NFL this past season. Yes. The, oh, absolutely. It, I yeah. think that's a no-brainer. You have to use a timeout to, to kickstart it because you have to have a stop in play sure. for someone to do it. But that stop's going to happen anyways, and if it's clear and obvious, just get the call right. Just yeah, get I don't the mind call at right. all. I mean, as long as it doesn't extend the game another five, ten minutes, because I think that's the issue with what the NBA found was they didn't want these long pauses in the games because, again, the NCAA has done a really good job as of lately not making it an issue, but how many times do you see a late game in the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, whatever you want to call it, in the NCAA tournament get dragged out in those final two minutes or so just because they keep going back and forth to the monitor putting 
tenths of seconds back on the no, clock think, and that sort of stuff. I think so. it's going to be the opposite. It's going to speed it way up because, one, teams are going to be a little more hesitant to use their timeouts. They're going to keep more of them sure. just in case there's a last-second call that they want to be and looked at. And you're not at. wasting your challenge either. Correct. And then, secondly, it has to be obvious and quick. You only have 30 seconds to flip the call. So if you're watching it at HQ and you're like, okay, they called timeout, let's see that. But, oh, nope, it went off the other team ring in you have to do it quickly it has to happen like clockwork or else it's not obvious it's not clear it's not getting changed so i think it will speed up games not slow them down so yeah i like that all right we got one we got one new we compromise coming Yay. in 23 24 probably not all right hornets taking on toronto today 1 p.m tip time game preview coming up next here on the hornets Ivecast. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. The Hornet Timecast brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets are 26-52, and 52, already eliminated from postseason contention. Toronto has just about punched their ticket into the play-in tournament. Right now, they are four games back with five to play of a top-six spot. So that is unlikely but not altogether impossible at this stage what is also unlikely is toronto falling out of the bracket their magic number to qualify officially is two meaning if they get two wins or two losses from the teams that are chasing them uh, they will move into that play in tournament bracket and play someone likely either chicago or atlanta or maybe miami in that opening game so a lot on the line still for toronto hornets hoping to play spoiler once again rob longo you know how this works where would you like to begin a player to watch for charlotte for toronto or the stat to watch let's go with the visitors the toronto raptors who we haven't seen in quite some time and it's interesting i think sam Perley brought this up on a podcast the other day is the nba is starting to play more of these series have we had two teams play a series twice in a season yet I feel if it's happened, it's Toronto. I guess. I think Toronto's most likely to have it happen. It makes sense because I guess cutting down on travel, trying to get across the border. I mean, it's a little bit different now that, you know, the health and safety protocols are a little bit more relaxed. But at any rate, the way that this schedule sets up is just kind of bizarre. I mean, the two in Toronto in January and then the Raptors come here for two consecutive games. A little bizarre. But at any rate, let's begin with a Raptors player to watch. I got to go with Scotty Barnes. He's been playing some really good basketball as late, has nearly had a triple-double in his last two games. You go back to the game that he had against Miami earlier in the week where he finished with 22 points, 12 assists, 7 rebounds. And then the other night in Philadelphia, back on Friday, it was a loss, but, I mean, he had 29 points. That ended up being a game high. Nine rebounds, eight assists. He also had four steals. 13 and 19 from the field. He's just been really, really good offensively, too. So, for me, I feel like Scotty Barnes is kind of the obvious pick here and. I mean, the way he's been playing basketball as a late has been really remarkable. I know he won the Rookie of the Year award, but I don't think I was completely sold on him winning Rookie of the Year last season. So, you know, I'll give credit where credit's due. I don't know if you can win the Rookie of the Year award and then get most improved, but he's just been taking his game to another level this season. And, man, he's really been carrying the, the Raptors as of late, which is a team when you think of star power you think of pascal siakam and you think of fred van fleet but scotty barnes has been doing a really good job here as of late so he's my player to watch i like the pick yeah he has really been playing well and and doing what you would expect someone who's in year two who was drafted so highly and has so much you know thought of him in terms of his spot on that franchise starting to just grow his role 
Year one, he was a role player on a team that made it into the postseason. Year two, he is expanding that role and now at times being the leading scorer, including the other day in a loss to Philadelphia. Ended up with 29 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists in that one, and shot 13 of 19 from the floor. So I like the pick. I'm going to go with a guy who was an all-star recently, uh, not this season, but the year prior, Fred Van Vliet. And it's kind of been, as he's gone, so have gone the Toronto Raptors. But he's had to go really, really well for them to get the win. Maybe part of the reason why they're a game under 500 right now at 38 and 39. But when he has been excellent and the team has played excellent with him on the floor, they have had excellent results since March 4th, when Fred Van Vliet has been plus 10 or better in the plus minus, the Raptors are 7-0. and oh. The last time he was plus 10 or better in the plus minus, and they did not get the win. You have to go back to March 2nd, a loss on the road at the Washington Wizards. Since then, they have beaten Washington. They've beaten Denver. They've beaten OKC. They've beaten Minnesota. They've beaten Detroit. They've beaten Washington again, and they've beaten the Miami Heat all with Fred Van Vliet going for plus 10 or better. So he's an excellent player, a good scorer, a good shooter, does a lot of things really, really well. But ultimately, for me, if he's a plus 10 or better in the plus minus, he is impacting victory. And so Fred Van Vliet, my player to watch for the Raptors. Where shall we go next? A stat to watch or a Hornet to watch? Let's go with a Hornets player to watch. And I feel like this is kind of the easy one just because we don't know who's going to be out there on the floor for the Hornets tonight. But give me James Bookdine. I mean, he played 31 minutes in the loss against Chicago, 22 points, team high, 8 of 16 from the field, 6 of 11 from beyond the arc. I just want to see how consistent he can possibly be now that he's getting more minutes out there. I mean, his minutes basically tripled and from what we saw a couple of games ago in that second showdown against Dallas, and it's just been a slow, steady increase. I mean, played 10 against the, the Mavericks on that Sunday afternoon game here at the Hive, only scored five points, plays 19 against Oklahoma City earlier in the week, and he only has six points. So now he ends up getting another 10 minutes or so. I'm not going to say he's going to play 40 minutes, but 49. I mean, I mean, if everybody keeps getting hurt, you never know. So but knock on wood, hopefully that's not the case. But You don't need any more of Exactly, those. exactly. So just the way that he's been having a higher shot volume and he's playing more, I just want to see if he's been able to be that much more consistent. We saw it at the G League level when he was playing a lot of minutes and he was putting up those big crooked numbers. I want to see him do it again here at the – NBA level because, I mean, if he finishes the season strong here and then he has a full offseason to work on whatever he needs to work on, that's going to be scary moving forward. Certainly could be. I'm going to go with the big man in the middle, Mark Williams. I think with the injury to P.J. Washington perhaps means that the center rotation, at least that it had been running, is done. Either way, Mark Williams is slated to play in this one today against the Toronto Raptors. And I said it during the last couple of, uh, of Hivecasts in the last broadcast, certainly against Chicago. Uh, while the Hornets center position had performed really well against Dallas, who had made the decision to play small, and Oklahoma City, who has to play small because they don't really have a traditional center, uh, Chicago is a different kind of challenge for the center room. Going up against Nikola Vucevic, a multiple-time All-Star, one of the most skilled centers in the game today, uh, and Vuce had a great game. Finished with 21 points and 8 rebounds. Played an outstanding game. Uh, was a plus 25 in the plus-minus. Mark Williams ended up a minus 22. Now, the Raptors starting center is not as good as Vucevic, but I think he is better as an individual player than what the Hornets saw against Dallas and against the Oklahoma City Thunder. That would be Jakob Pertl. So I think this is a good matchup here for Mark Williams and Nick Richards to show what they can do as a center tandem against 
not one of the great, great centers in the NBA, but a very good one. It would go a long way, I think, to show what their further development is going to look like if they can outduel Jakob Pertl and the Raptors center group. Last but not least, a stat to watch. Yeah, and Pertl's been really good ever since they got him from San Antonio, but stat to watch is a couple on my mind, but... I think you got to look at the turnovers. That's kind of the easy one. Toronto just does not turn the ball over at all. They're first in the association in turnovers per game, a little bit below 12. Hornets are middle of the pack with about 14, but that's just what absolutely killed Charlotte on Friday against Chicago. I mean, like I mentioned in yesterday's podcast, six turnovers in the first six minutes of the game. Charlotte was just 2-7 of from the field. Those six turnovers resulted in 10 Chicago points, and then they had eight through the first 12 minutes, and it just kind of continued to pile on from there as it just kind of went from bad to worse. And at the end of the day, they finished with 22 turnovers, and it was 29 Chicago points. Just can't be giving the ball over that much, especially considering that you're not going to get it in return against a team like Toronto that takes such good care of the basketball. So I know that's easier said than done with all the injuries and the lack of chemistry, but turnovers is... Definitely my stat to watch here in this afternoon's game. So I had two circled, but they're both around the same thing. It's a common refrain for me, so I'm just going to go to what I I really want to talk about here, and that's shot attempts. Field goal and free throws combined, shot attempts for Charlotte have to be higher than Toronto. Charlotte lost two games in Toronto for, relatively speaking, the same reason, although different underlying causes. They just did not take as many shots as Toronto did. In the first loss in the head-to-head meeting, it was because the Raptors owned them on the glass. They had 18 offensive rebounds to Charlotte's six. There was a slight advantage in turnovers, but at the end of the day, the Raptors ended up attempting 17 more shots, 12 more free throws, and five more field goals than the Hornets did, and they ended up riding that to a victory over Charlotte. The final score was 132-120. to 120. They came back two days later, played again. Toronto won again, 124-114, to 114, and even though Charlotte cleaned up the offensive glass and in fact, they won that nine uh, offensive rebounds to eight. Turnovers were a major problem. They turned it over 22 times. The Raptors turned it over nine. And at the end of the game, combined field goal and free throw attempts, Toronto was a plus 15. Nine more field goal. Uh, check that. Six more field goal attempts, nine more free throw attempts. You get what I'm saying here. The Hornets are not good enough of an offensive team Overall, even with their guys healthy, they hadn't proved to be, I say even healthy, there has not been a point in this season where they've been healthy. They are not as good of an offensive team with the current players out there compared to former All-Stars like Siakam and Van Vliet and potentially future All-Stars like they might have in Scotty Barnes to say, we're going to take 10 fewer shots than you and probably still win the game. That's not going to happen. So I agree with you on the turnovers. I think rebounding is important too. But however it comes out, Charlotte has got to attempt more shots shots than the Raptors, or it's going to be very, very difficult to come away with a victory. All right, I think we've got you all set for today's game against Toronto. Again, it's an earlier tip time, 1 p.m. In case uh, you've heard this podcast after the game's already tipped off, you can find out if we were right at all on any of this stuff. Also, you got the first two segments, which are a little bit more evergreen for you for the remainder of the season and the remainder of your day. But if you heard this in time, pre-tip off at 1 p.m. at Spectrum Center and you're within shouting distance, please come on out and join us at the Hive Tickets are available at Hornets.com. That'll do it for this edition of the HHC with May. Thanks to Rob Longo for joining me again. As always, where else would I be? We appreciate having you, and most of all, thanks to all of you for tuning in. For everyone here, I'm Sam Farber, saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us. We'll talk to you tomorrow to break down today's game against the Raptors right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. 
brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.